Hello and thank you for listening to episode 75 of 60 Minutes With. I'm Dave and this is another one of our soundcheck interview shows. And in this one I get to chat with the great Bernie Marsden, a guy that I've been a fan of for over 35 years now. Now regular listeners, you'll know that we like to play a couple of songs on these shows. And so I asked Bernie towards the end of the interview, as you'll hear, to pick a couple of songs with the caveat that one would have to be a Whitesnake song that he wrote and one would have to be from his solo projects. So we're going to start off the show before we get into the interview with the Whitesnake song that he chose. It's from the 1979 album Love Hunter, and it's one of my favourites. So please turn up the volume as loud as you dare, and let's have a listen to Walking in the Shadow of the Blues. Shadow of the blue 
Uh, Bernie, first of all, uh, thank you so much for giving me some of your time. It's, it really is an absolute pleasure to have a chat with you. That's, uh, you're, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. Uh, well, like I said, when we just swapped a few emails, the first time that I saw you was uh, Deeside Leisure Centre back in 1981. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember that gig. Yeah. <laughs> didn't, it, didn't that place burn down or something? Yeah, it's, um, it's still there, but the, the part that was where all the gigs were, it's a big roller, roller skating rink now. Oh, it was a, you know, we'd been used to playing, you know, in, in the area, you know, the Empire, and, and we always, we felt that the the, 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 the leisure centre, the people were great in it, but it was just a, a soulless gig compared to the Empire. But, but by, by the time all the local people got in there, they made me more than made up for it, you know, it was good. <laughs> Yeah, that was a good gig. That was Come and Get It, wasn't it? It was, yeah, yeah. It was yeah my, that was yeah, my, yeah. my first ever gig, that was. That was always, you know. Oh, now you're making me feel old. Oh. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well and you're still on the road as well. I mean, you know, all these years yeah, later, I'm, I'm, you're still up there I and know. doing it. Yeah, I mean, the phone keeps ringing. I suppose, you know, when people stop asking you to play and people stop coming to shows, then maybe that's the time to say, well, you know, we're that's enough but um i mean I, I don't gig as much as i used to do but i do you know do as many shows as i want really which is nice you know yeah and uh, i enjoy the gigs very very much and then it's always nice to see people and say hello and stuff and talk about you know talk about the old days because that's the reason that's the reason i can still do it so you know i'm, I'm, I'm under no illusion about you know the longevity of being a, a famous musician or whatever you people like to call it it's because of white snake and uh, that's a simple fact really i mean i've been in another few things and done other things but uh and it all comes back to Weinstein, really. Oh yeah, I mean that's like I said, that's where I you know I first discovered you. And yeah, you were responsible for writing a lot of the songs as well, though, and and some of the really big hits too. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, guilty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the that's the long term thing with it, you know. I mean, here I go again. Obviously, is is the, the really big one, and uh, you know that still in, enables me to well, it enables me to to do what I want to do to this day. And uh, as I always say, it keeps my wife in the lifestyle she's accustomed to. So <laughs> anyway, there you go. Now, it, it's a great thing and it's become an anthem, you know, especially, you know, I mean, it's big here, but in America, it's, you know, one of the, the, the classic rock songs, you know, and uh, it, it, if you go over there on holiday or something, I guarantee you'll, you'll, you know, you'll hear it at some point on the radio or whatever. Oh, yeah. And it really is a massive thing, but it just keeps going, you know, you know. What was your process then for songwriting? How did you go about it and still do well, pretty much the same to this day. You know, I get to, um, you know, we used to have a pretty good collective with, with the White Snake thing. We were lucky, you know, we had the three of us. It was me, Mickey Moody and, and David Coverdale, who, you know, were the major contributors. And, and we had no issues with, you know, combining stuff and saying, well, I think that what you've done there is really good. But, you know, I think I've got a bridge that might be a little bit better for it. Or can we try this riff here? Or can we try this? And, you know, it was a collective and it worked out really well. Full Free Loving is the, the best example of that. You know, that was a bit of all three of us, you know, and uh, that stands the test of time. Uh, I, you know, I usually sit down with a guitar and um, come up with an idea. And lyrically, you know, I'll, I'll have an idea to start the song and usually with a chorus or something like that. And But then I just used to, you know, give the idea to David and he would, he would, wander off to his room or whatever and come up with a set of lyrics so it all works out really well it sounds simple doesn't it i wish i could do it again <laughs> <laughs> are there any gigs from back then that stand out particularly oh yeah I'm, uh, talking of the empire that that, that that always made me feel very you know very aware that you know the what i was in a big band you know and uh and we did a gig i, I remember at a place called bingley hall in staffordshire and mm -hmm. we arrived mid-afternoon for the show 
and um, there were literally, you know, thousands of people outside. And I said to my guitar tech when we got in through the backstage, when are they going to let the people in? And he said, what are you talking about? He said, all the people are in. So they're the ones who can't get in. And and it was a bit of that, you know, hair on the back of your neck moment. We think, well, you know, we are a big band. Yeah. You know, you don't really realize it until you, you're doing those kind of figures. Oh, it must have been absolutely incredible to to have, have yeah. seen that going through. And I, it's difficult, and it's you know, it's difficult. Say, say, difficult. It's not impossible to pick out, you know, because what you know, you're going from D side the next night to Bradford or to Manchester or whatever, and to Birmingham. And of course, the people there were always, you know, the same enthusiasm. You know, and they wanted to see the band, and that's such a great feeling, which is hard to put into words. And you must have seen so many things. You know, we all hear stories, uh, road stories on tour. Uh, and funny things, yeah. funny things happening. Is there anything that, that leaps to mind for you? That any weird, well, weird or wonderful what, stuff? What, what, you know, the, the old cliche. You know, what, what happens on the road stays on the road, <laughs> and stuff like that. But but we did have some fun. I mean, why that was, I think you know the, the late John Lord uh, was, has gone into print on more than one occasion, saying that you know between all the stuff that Deep Purple did over his career, the best time he ever had as a person on the road was when he was with Wisenay, because we did laugh a lot. You know, we used to hire things like pantomime suits and, you know, we would, you know, dress up as a, you know, with half a horse or half a giraffe and go and order room service and stuff. I mean, it sounds all very naive and a little bit, a little bit juvenile now, but, you know, we did it. And I think that kept some of that kind of pressure off at the time, you know, and David Coverdale was, was a great instigator of naughtiness, you know, then he'd claim innocence afterwards. You know, he was very good at that. He was very good at that. But Mickey and I used to have quite a laugh on the road, and we're, it's pretty much documented that we were kind of, you know, the Morecambe and Wise, I suppose, <laughs> of rock and roll, which maybe is a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. But, uh, truth is truth, you know. Yeah. So what got you to pick up the guitar then all those years ago? You mean when I started? When well, you first started, Beatles, yeah. Really. Yeah, yeah, the Beatles, really. I mean, I'm, I'm from that era, and the, the Shadows were... You know, they were big and they were the guys with the guitars on, you know, in that black and white TV and stuff. And, you know, that, you know but, but once the Beatles came along, it was like, well, I was 14 or 13. And I thought, wow, I'd love to do that. And, you know, and then you started reading stuff like that. They didn't have any musical qualifications. Thought, oh, well, maybe I don't have to and stuff like that. Of course, you never dreamed that you'd, you'd become a pro. And, you know, that was that was your dream, but you never thought it would actually happen. And then it starts to happen. And you just get on with it. And, and here I am, you know, 40 years, odd years later talking to you and, and still doing it. So I must have done something right in the you know, originally. Oh, yeah. I always wonder as well. because <laughs> <Don't know> what <laughs> it is. <laughs> I always think because, like I said, you know, when I saw you back on the Come and Get It tour and I'm there buying, yeah. buying White Snake albums um, and then I bought your solo albums as well. And I always think... Mm. What do you listen to? You know, you're, the think, one, you're the one that bought them. Uh, it's me. It's me. <laughs> I'll bring. I'll bring it with me when I well, see you yeah. at the tip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do bring it down. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I always think, what are you listening to? You know, so what were you listening to about that time? Well, I'd still have been. You know, in those days, I'd, uh, by the time we're sort of, that's halfway through my time with with Weinstein, I'd, I'd still be listening to. You know, alternately, you know, people like Steely Dan and B.B. King or Big Bill Brunsey. You know, it just depends. We, we used to all all of us carry around a cassette machine, you know, with all of our cassettes tucked in. And we, we'd be trading cassettes and all over the world saying, you know, can, can I borrow, borrow your B.B. King? And I'd say, yeah, can I have a loan of your James Gang and stuff like that? And that's how it went on. It was great. You know, also it gives you an insight into everybody else's um, upbringing. You know, and then we'd realize that, especially Mickey, uh, Neil, Murray, and, and David and I, you know, we realized that out of the 30 cassettes we had, we probably had 10 the same. <laughs> 
which kind of brings you together in an invisible thread, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Did you ever meet anybody? So that, that, that's, that's how it went along. Pardon? Did you ever meet anybody while you were on tour that you got a little bit starstruck with? Oh, yeah, all the time. You know, I, I'm, as I say, I'm up here in, in Newcastle today, and I just talked about the day I met Bob Marley. I, I was literally like, you know, like a young kid running around after the Spice Girls. You know, I, I couldn't <laughs> believe I was doing doing a show with Bob Marley, and I, I followed him around the BBC to the detriment of probably myself, but I couldn't help myself, you know. And I, I talked to him in the end and said, Bob, I just want to say, you know, I'm so, I'm so proud to be on a show with you, and I love your music, and I think you're a real great influence on me. You're a great influence on me, and uh, I, I, I think you're a really great artist. And he looked down, because he was a big guy, and he sort of looked down to me, and he said, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that was all he said. And he walked off, and I was I was absolutely delighted. You know? David Cole said, leave the man alone. <laughs> <laughs> But there's other people, you know, and I, you know, and I've got to know people who, who are, you know, great, great heroes of mine. Who, you know, I still get a bit of a buzz. I walk into a room and Jeff Beck or somebody will be there, or Brian May, and say, "Oh, Danny, want a drink?" And I think, "Bloody hell, great!" You know, it's, it's still just, it's, it's, it's all magic to me that your heroes become your contemporaries. I wouldn't say they were close friends because it's difficult to be close friends with with people, but you know, you know each other, and the the fact that I can, you know, Jeff Beck will call me up or somebody will call me and think would have been unbelievable to me when I was 18 years old. You know? <laughs> but, you know, these things happen. Yeah, and you were saying, you know, about hard to keep friends and so on, especially, you know, when you were touring so much as well and, you know, there mm. wasn't all the social mm. media that we've got today. It must have been right. quite quite difficult. Was it Was it ever sort of, like, lonely on the road? I'm just... No, I don't. I wouldn't say we got there was a and sometimes the long American tours would, would, would sometimes become a, not not difficult, but you know you like you, the, the point being if we'd have had social media, then it would be nothing, nothing, no problem at all. But those days, a you couldn't really afford a phone call home, you know, it was so expensive from your hotel room and stuff like that. So you know you'd phone up your loved ones, you know, once every ten days or even more than that. You know, and you know, when I think about it now, you know, it's 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 a a, a gone age. That'll never happen again. But I think that some of the madness on the road and the the, the frivolity helped that out. I think, and then mm-hmm. knowing that you're in a six-piece band that is, you know, second to none, when you got out for that hour and a half on stage, you know, everything was worth it, no matter what went on in, in the previous twenty hours. You know, so you know, it was, it was the fact that you were in a great band, but you knowing you're in a great band playing really good songs with good people. You know, I, I look forward every night. I mean, I stood next to John Lord for six years of my, my career, of my life, listening to that man play every night. You know, well, I'm privileged. Oh, yeah, that must have been absolutely incredible. I can't, I <laughs> yeah. can't even begin yeah. to imagine what that must have been like. Yeah. So he was on my right and Ian Pace was on my left. I mean, how, you know, am I going to moan about that? You know. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely uh, not. It was really good. Yeah, yeah, it was really, you know, it was a really, you know, great time to be out there. You know, it wouldn't change anything, really. And the music business has changed quite a bit, especially, you know, the distribution of mm. it and so on has, has changed a hell of a lot since then. Well, we in those days, we used in like places like D-Side, we've talked about, you know, we, we used to tour in order to promote the album. These days, you bring an album out, but you actually, you, you're making money from gigs. You know, these big guys are out there playing and, you know, we've got like 50, 60, 70 pounds a ticket. I mean, I think our top price at the Empire was... was Two pounds seventy-five or something. Wow! You know, then you'd hope that those two thousand or three thousand people would grow. You know, half of them would buy the album. You promoted the album with a tour. This is the other way around now. Yeah. 
And of course, it, and, and you down and you download the track you want, not the album. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I still buy CDs. I'm still back in the you know I'm still back in the seventies really. Oh, me but too. But I like yeah. to buy a CD. I like to buy a book, and I like to buy a CD still. You know, and and or better still, a piece of vinyl. Yeah, yeah that's, mean, no, that's another conversation, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, you, you yeah. released um, Shine back in 2014 as well. What was uh, what was the yeah. reason, uh, what's the story behind that? Tell well, the listeners. The story behind Shine is 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 quite. I started playing a, a lot with Joe Bonamassa, and uh, he was signed to uh, this uh, this record label mascot in um, in Holland. And I think a few people started going, "Oh, this this old guy keeps playing with Joe, and people seem to love him." And um, the guy, and they said, well, who is it? And the guy said who he was. And the, luckily, the bosses are a lot older than the guys who work for him. And um, he said, oh, I think I know who you mean. And he, he contacted me to uh, to make an album for them. So that's where Shine came from, quite soon. And that was the first album I'd made, I think, in 15 years, you know, with a label. I've been doing yeah. stuff in between, but yeah. uh, doing, it, doing it myself. I mean, I thought my days of being signed to a label were, you know, were, were long gone. But uh, out of the blue, something like that comes along, and uh, I'm very grateful for it. Yeah. Any more on the horizon for us? Yeah, I'm actually working on on the show and follow up now. It's been a while, but as I say, the, the other one took about fifteen, sixteen years. So I think we're we're two years into this one. So it's still early days, really. I've been working on uh, my autobiography, and uh, it's out now. It's called Where's My Guitar, and a lot of the stories we've been talking about and uh, are in are in there. It's, and the subtitle is uh, uh, On the Tour Bus with the Snake Man. So it gets it gets down down and deep and dirt, you know. There's a lot of stories in there about wise things. There's a lot of the recording sessions and stuff what went on that people won't know about, and uh, it's doing very well. I'm actually onto my uh, second reprint, oh, so wow. it's looking look, looking good, mate. Yeah, well, that's it. Well, I'll be ordering it as soon as we finish talking. Then that's that's for sure. Oh, hey, good man, good man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll have some at the gig as well. I'll carry them on the road. So oh, okay. Oh, anybody want? Everybody wants to come down. There'll be some signed copies to be had down there. Oh, even yeah. better still. Well, what I'll do is looking well, forward to the Tivoli. Yeah, yeah, it's um, oh. it's a really good a good place for gigs. I absolutely love going there. Been mm. there, going there well since the eighties. Uh, it's such yeah. a good one. And and for everybody I listening think... as well, if you go to our website, yeah. I'll put all the links up um, for where yeah. you can find Bernie on the tour as well. Oh well, thanks, man. That's yeah. all, that's all right. Uh, got, I mean, I played the Tivoli. I think back in the nineties. I think that's the last time I was there. I got a feeling I was there with the Moody Marsden band, and I think that was one of the. F- first gigs we did with uh, Zach Starkey playing drums and I'm pretty sure that was in the Tivoli. Somebody will tell me though on the night, no doubt. Oh, I'm sure they will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just um... It'll be nice to be up there again because it's, nice, it's a great area to play so I'm really, you know, really looking forward to it. Oh yeah, I think you'll find it hasn't changed much since yeah, the last time you were there. <laughs> it's still, yeah, it's still, got, it's still got that same atmosphere. It's really good. Good, good, good. Um, is there anything... Um, frustrating just going back to your songwriting is there any part of it that frustrates mm. you or is it all is it all a very pleasant experience now you know you've been doing it for so long is there do you find any part of it frustrating at all not really i mean i i, I write to you know pretty much write to order I've, I've done quite a bit of um um soundtrack stuff and that's you know you get a director of a movie or whatever and they want a specific thing that's quite gratifying i like that there can be a little frustration sometimes though because you work fairly one-to-one on it and then then they don't use it in the section that uh, it was specifically written for and they change because the director obviously has total control over everything else but mm-hmm. uh, that can be frustrating but by that time to be cynical you know you, you've been paid and uh you that's what they've done they've hired you to make the music even if he wants to change it around well you know that's up to up to he or she and who does it and you know it can be frustrating because you you see the movie or you see something that's finished and you think well 
I'm sure the original worked better, but that's just an artistic thing, really. But uh, no, I still find it pleasurable, and you know, working with I like working with other people as well, especially with some, you know younger people with with their vitality and you know enthusiasm and stuff like that. Because I, you know, I can still come up with a fairly good tune, but uh, somebody if somebody can make it better, you know, I'm kind of open for that as well. Mm-hmm. Now I know you've got to disappear very soon because you can't, like you said, you've got a, a guitar school going on. For I have, yeah. For for anybody listening, any budding guitarists, what's the mm. one piece of information that you could give them as far as learning the guitar? I think if if you when you if you're going to pick a guitar up and you want to you know if you want it as a career or if you want to enjoy playing the guitar, there's this it's very different thing, you know. Um, enjoy playing the guitar, play from the heart. You know, don't try and be something that's you know uh, sort of beyond your means because if you try to do that, you just become frustrated. But if you want to play the guitar to sit down when five of your mates can't play the guitar, you know, you, you know, you're, you're the center of attraction. That's, that's what made me want to become one. <laughs> you know, I was, I was a young kid there and, you know, there were a couple of older girls who never, never gave me the, you know, the moment of their time. And I sat down in a group of about 10 people when I was 15 and uh, two of those girls came to speak to me afterwards. I thought, this is all right. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, it, and I enjoyed it. But then once I, decided i wanted to do it for a living then you know that that's when it becomes you know it, it can then let it become a chore basically it was a long that was a long uh, answer to a short question i'm sorry about that <laughs> no, but that's, that, that's quite and, and, the, the bottom the bottom line is you know enjoy it enjoy yeah. it well i do yeah. i like to play a couple of songs on these shows so my final yeah. question for you is uh if you were to pick one white snake song that you had a hand in writing and one mm-hmm one of your solo songs which would you pick so one white snake on one I'll solo you, i think i think um, everybody would expect me to go for here i go again which everybody knows i think i'd go for walking in the shadow of the blues oh yes it's a bit powerful mm-hmm. solo wise uh there's a good tune on the second one called look at me now right which i'm very very keen on perhaps re-recording and, and doing it in 2000 and 17 so look at me now is a good 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 track ian pace is on that neil murray it's a pretty cool track oh excellent well again bernie i know you've got a rush and i thank you so much for coming on the show it's my pleasure man and uh, i look forward to seeing seeing you down at the gig and and all the the people out there the tivoli awaits and i await the tivoli so um it'd be good and it's only it's only a few days away now so that's great it is yeah we'll definitely meet yeah all right mate come and say hello will do okay thanks very much bernie Cheers, Dave. You're very welcome. Cheers, mate. The alarm bell once again brings us to the end of another show. I'd like to thank Bernie for taking the time out of his schedule to come on and have a chat with me. As you heard during the interview, he was up in Newcastle doing a guitar school, yet he still took some time out to nip onto the phone, come onto the show and have a chat. So thank you so much, Bernie. I'd also like to thank Lynn from Radio D-Side, who was instrumental in getting this interview sorted. So thank you, Lynn, too. It's really appreciated. For all of Bernie's tour dates, uh, how to follow him online, all of his social media outlets, and for the social media outlets of Lynn, Radio D-Side, and our favourite venue, the Tivoli, in Buckley, up here in North Wales, you can visit our website where there will be all the links that you need. If you go to 60minuteswith.co.uk, everything will be on there. There's a contact us form if you wish to email us, or you can email us direct at 60minuteswith.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 60 Minutes With. And you can follow us on Facebook too, which is facebook.com slash 60 Minutes With. And like I always say, it's the numerical 60, not the alphabetical one. 
So Bernie's second song to play out the show, uh, he picked it from his 1981 album. It is the title track. It's the first song on side one. It's Look At Me Now. No way. 